Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, Robin Landa, and she is an expert in creative advertising, branding, graphic design, and social media, and has been called a, quote, creativity guru. Having published over 20 widely recognized books in her fields of expertise, Robin holds the title of Distinguished Professor professor of the Michael Graves College, Keene University in the United States. She has won numerous awards for her design, writing, and research. And the Carnegie Foundation lists her among the greatest teachers of our time. Robin is a former chair of Design Incubation and serves as a creative consultant to the C-suites of international corporations. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lance. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, well, we're honored to have you. So before we get into exactly what you do, um, I would love to learn more about uh, how did you get here? Are you from a family of entrepreneurs? The first, you know, what sort of led led you here? Uh, I'm from, from a family of creative people. My father was a professional dancer for most of his life. And that's what I wanted to be too. But um, they discouraged me. And once you don't start early, you don't do it really. Uh, <clears throat> and my mother also danced. So that's where my creative streak came from. Um, my father was multi-talented, could play the piano by ear and could draw. And I just was always drawing and illustrating and painting from a young age and and then writing came into my life oh beautiful beautiful so uh, tell us about your education then i mean obviously then you did you go to school for those things and then that sort of formed when you where you entered into the professions yes i have uh, degrees in in the visual arts i have a bfa and an mfa and an ma in art history at one point i thought i wanted to be an art historian um, in fact, a professor encouraged me to get a degree in art history so that I could write more about art. And then when I was in that, I realized I really wanted to be a visual artist. I wanted to make the art myself. And then I segued into graphic design and advertising art direction. And that's that's the combination. But I was always in the visual arts. Beautiful. So uh, tell us about the Michael Graves College Connection. Now, that's the same Michael Graves who is fam- world-famous architect and industrial designer, correct? That's right. He's um, one of the greatest architects of our time. Yes, we uh, when we wanted to have an architecture program, we thought, let's reach out to Michael Graves because he was at Princeton and he, was in, and he, lived, in, he lived in Princeton. And we did, and his reaction was, well, Princeton doesn't need me, you need me. And so he gave us his name for the School of Public Art, for the entire college, uh, and we have a School of Public Architecture. He gave us his house, his home, after he passed away. And we also have the Michael Graves uh, College on our China campus in Wenzhou, China. So we have two schools of public architecture, and we're very close with the Michael Graves studio. Uh, and, and our dean was his protege. David Money was Michael Graves' pr- protege. So we have an extraordinary architect as a dean. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, what a, what a cool connection you have with that. 
Um, well, let's kind of, we, we, we can turn a corner here and maybe we'll jump into sort of what you do. And I, there's a series of questions I'd love to ask you about what you do. And the first one would be is, how can people generate worthwhile ideas? I think this is something that even I struggle with sometimes is like, you might have an idea, but what makes it worthwhile versus not? Yeah, that's a great question. Most of the processes that are in place that people use, whether it's brainstorming or there's a five-step process where you do research and then the research incubates and, and you go from there, are kind of black boxes. That's what I call them because they don't really explain how the aha moment happens. They just assume that once you've done your research and you think about it for a while or you talk about it, it will come to you. And after teaching all these years and doing research myself, I realized that you, people really need an actionable process. And what separates mine from those others, besides the fact that it's an actionable process, and it's not a black box, is that my, my theory is that ideas should benefit either individuals, society, creatures, or the planet, or all of the above. Um, that there has to be something in it for people and the planet besides the bottom line, besides the bottom line of profit. So it's more of a triple bottom line idea. Oh, okay. And what would you include? So with the, if, if it's a triple bottom line, then, I mean, if you had to, if, so obviously there's, so it's people, profit, and then what would be planet. the third planet? planet. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it has to pass sort of a litmus test and you can't just have it be one. It can't be, it is, probably isn't a good idea if it just passes one of those three, one of the three, it seems like a holistic approach is the way to go. Um, uh, what do you think, uh, what should business people know about the creative side of advertising? Oh, there's so much they should know. Um, the business people who go get MBAs really don't ever study what you or I have studied, which is the visual arts. They don't really understand, or some do, I'm sure, uh, how to come up with an idea and the value of uh, fantastic typography or art direction or, how, or, or what separates a pedestrian concept from an extraordinary concept. And so I think it's very important that there's that they learn about that from creative individuals so that they can interface with their creative team, which they have to do, and or with their vendors, their creative vendors, so that they understand that it's not about, well, that guy had that ad, so let me have it. I want the same thing because that one worked, you know, or that it's it's about what we've done all the time is good, let's do it again. Um, you know, in a 24-7 world nobody's going to notice anything that's boring or pedestrian or average yeah yeah 100 percent um have you have you ever tried to set up sort of a, a meeting or a round table with the folks you know who do both sides of the coin there so you know somebody who's running the business with an mba versus somebody who's on the creative side of things and then you know, the, have you facilitated a cross-pollination of that so that you, and, and, and if you have, I, I would be interested to know, you know, what was the learning lessons from it and moving forward, you know, what, how did that inform future meetings? Well, I think that that's a brilliant system, right? That you just, or, or workshop. I've done that a couple of times only. Most, most of the um, times that I consult, they want me to meet just myself with the business people and, and conduct a workshop about the creative side. But the, the couple of times that I've done that, it's been very fruitful in 
the business people becoming part of the creative process so that they're not, you know, sometimes they're called the suits. They're, they're an, mm -hmm. It's an otherness, right, that, that mm -hmm. the creatives have about the business people and the business people think that it's just creativity is just this willy-nilly thing and, and you can't trust these guys. They, they, they want risky, they give you risky ideas. So the, the times that we've come together, what I've emphasized is dialogue and not debate. And, and that really helps. And then we have some tools um, where, where we workshop things and we use a kind of improv attitude of saying yes and yep. right, which we all know about. But it, it's mostly emphasizing dialogue rather than arguing or debate because you have to listen to somebody else to get the point of view. You don't have to you know, swallow what they're saying eventually, but having a dialogue means that you're interested in what someone else says and you, you want to learn about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sort of akin to a safe space in in a sense, right? Where you're trying to create this environment where people feel comfortable. And I, I, I really liked your analogy to the yes. And I truly, I mean, that, that, that makes all kinds of sense to me. Um, what are you, have you ever encountered folks where they say like, I can't be creative. I'm not a creative person. Like how do you break that down to people who have that idea when I feel like being everybody's creative in their own certain way, like I, I, yes, there are people who maybe they just can't come up with, you know, there are that, there's that minority of a minority, but a lot of it is just effort. You know, how do you help people bring like sort of break that mindset? Yeah, it's really true. People do come in with that mindset. And what I say is that it's the system you're using is failing, mm -hmm. not you. And if you had a good system, you'd be able to generate ideas. And there are also things you can do to build your creativity. So, you know, as children, we're all very creative, right? We ask a million questions. We're always looking at things. We're observing. We're, you know, we're, we're learning how to navigate the world. And then at a certain point, it kind of shuts down and we say, oh, well, there's a formula for that, or that's how I learned it, or, you know, we start to, um, get out of that observational curiosity driven headset. And then somewhere along the way, someone said, well, you're not creative or you're not an artist or you don't know what you're doing. You know, there are, there are horrible things that people say to other people. And it could be a teacher too, who shuts mm -hmm. it down um, or a friend or a relative or somebody who's competitive. Um, and it really is the system because I can teach almost anybody to generate worthwhile ideas. I could even teach almost anybody to draw. If you can brush your teeth, you can learn to draw. I mean, there, it's just a matter of the teacher. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think that's that's the secret. It's, you, I mean, you're nailing the secret. So Alex and I, my business partner, we, we, we teach at the University of Colorado Boulder. And I think that was our revelation too, is starting to teach out or to teach versus even seeing our teachers was, it is okay to have a framework and system. And I think that's the myth here is that like that we're trying to break is that creativity is like some people think it's just it's just it's just innate. It comes out of nowhere. And it's like, no, a system is so important for that. And then you you creatively creativity works within that that system. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Very early on in my teaching career, um, I was the senior colleague had said to me, oh, that student has no talent. That student's never going to get anywhere. And I said, but 
Peggy, you ha you have to teach that student how to tap into their talent. You have to teach them. And she said, no, I, I was a natural. You're either a natural or you're not. And that's not, as you just said, that is absolutely not true. You just haven't learned, you haven't been in the framework and the context, you haven't learned, you haven't used the right system. And so if you're going to rely on a system that has a black box in it, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, yeah. And how much of it also comes down to sort of the intimidation of just seeing a, a, a blank piece of paper or a blank slate? I know it's like a writer. It's like writer's block. It's like you get, so trying to define that system really helps take away that fear, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And and there are tricks to the to the blank page too. Just, you know, you start with notes or you start with a list or you start with um, free association like the surrealists did, or you start with a mind map or you start with silly um, uh, exquisite corpse poem. You know, there, there's so many ways to get over that hurdle, but you're absolutely right. The blank page, whether it's uh, a report or creative writing or a building, I, it, it's where do you start? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, moving to like a, a CMO, right? Um, what, what, what do you think each one of them should know? What is one thing they should know about the creative side of branding? That it's strategic, that, that it's not just, as we said, you know, you imagine people in La Boheme, you know, the artist, the, the poet, they're just, the creativity is just free flowing. In branding, it's strategic and you're building a world and you have to think about, as you just said, the context, right? How does it fit into people's lives, whether it's appropriate, you're using the appropriate perspective. It has to be humanistic. It has to be people-centered. Um, I'm always thinking altruistically. You have to base the branding on an observation into both the brand and the target audience. And that insight is, is rather hard to find, but it, it's worth the hunt. Um, you need in interesting solutions. There's so much to look at, as I said, 24 seven, that if it's not appealing and it's not attention grabbing and it's not memorable and branding, you're kind of wasting your money. Um, you have to offer great content. People want something today. They just don't want things pushed at them, but they want something from you, uh, whether it's practical or emotional. And you have to empathize with people and be compassionate when you're building your brand and understand that it's, you know, you said a conversation, right? It's context. It's building a space that people want to participate in. Yeah. What do you, so the, the value of that strategic creativity, you know, how, how do you, how do you help quantify it for people? And I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the things that we're always sort of as human beings, we want to, especially if you're the MBA. Now, if I put the suit on, it's like, well, I need to, I need to see some return on this investment that I'm making. You know, how do you, how do you sort of ride that fine line of showing them that? Well, I explain what strategic creativity is, that it it's really about using creative thinking tactically so that you're not only solving a problem with your branding and your advertising, you're anticipating issues, you're aiming empathetically and appropriately at the target audience, and ultimately, going back to our first part of our discussion, is you're benefiting people. There's something in it for them, in that brand that does something for them. Otherwise, people don't really care. 
Yeah. Where do you, so social media, I, I, anybody who I have on this show that I isn't, you know, in the social media realm of marketing, creativity, and, and trying to get people's attention. I mean, we live in this world of, we're trying to, we're trying to get people's attention. Like the value is in obtaining their attention and then maybe turning that into a transaction. Right. So, uh, social, you know, social media a decade ago was, is way vastly different, just even from the number of platforms and sort of how we're splintering further and further. Uh, what, if you had to recommend to folks, like, what do you, what's the future of social media? I mean, are you seeing certain platforms die out? Do you think people should be concentrating on everything or just a select few? I think it depends on where your target audience lives. Where do they spend their most time? So right now, Gen Z is on Be Real. That Gen Z is all about authenticity, right? You don't, you don't doctor your photo. It's like, you know, you get the notice and then in the moment, it's whatever you're doing, however you look, that's it. Um, and you have to kind of flow with whichever target audience you're aiming at. TikTok is all about you know, having fun and, and participation. And, you know, the, the reason that songs and dances click is that people want to do them, right? People want to do the song or do the dance. Um, and so you have to really understand what the nature of that platform is. And, and, and if the people you're trying to reach are there and then create not a one-way street, but but something that people can participate in and something that that especially is for Gen Z aligns mm -hmm. with their values. If you don't, if you're not in their same value system or you're not authentic, they have absolutely no interest. They can, they can smell inauthenticity a mile away. And so do you think that's a reaction to, uh, I'm a millennial, so we can pick on me if we need to, <laughs> but do you think that's a reaction to the millennial Instagram? Everything's doctored. We, we, we're making our lives look like this. We're all influencers. We're all rappers, you know, that sort of thing. Perhaps, but it, it's, you know, I teach, I've taught millennials and I'm now teaching Gen Z and they really, it's a whole ethos of body positivity and um, anti-racism and, and about um, gender fluidity. I mean, they're really a very open group. And the authenticity underlies it all. And perhaps it, it's what you're saying, but th they also are playing with TikTok about facial symmetry too, right? So hmm. you know, it, it's, they're all generalizations, but I really do feel that they, I, I have found in the classroom, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you have too, they'll challenge everything um, in a way that past generations en masse didn't. And you really have to be um, socially conscious and, and really be authentic and be ethical. Um, so, you know, I think it's a confluence of factors. Yeah, it's interesting. Every generation is so interesting, right? They just, I mean, and I, maybe that was an unfair question too, to think that it's sort of this, it's like you're, it's like when you talk about anybody talks about their parents, they're like, well, my parents did this. So I do the opposite. So, you know, I, I recognize that. Um, give us the listeners, if you would, what, what are some ways if they're listening today, what are some simple things that they could do in order to build creative habits? They want to start being more creative person and unlock that. You know, what, are, what are some just some things they could do starting today? 
some of the best things you can do um, for habits in terms of building gold, what I call golden habits, is to become more curious uh, and to really go back to that childhood sense of curiosity. Really, so I'll, I'll give you a great example of somebody who's curious, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton mm -hmm. and In the Heights. When he was at, just finished In the Heights and it was about to come to Broadway, he took a vacation. He was going to Mexico to the beach. And rather than picking a typical beach read, he picked up the biography of Alexander Hamilton. And the rest is history. But if he weren't curious about history, which is nothing to do with theater or music or playwriting or screenwriting, it was out of his vertical, right? Out of his vertical sense, we wouldn't have Hamilton and we wouldn't have, he wouldn't have changed Broadway and he wouldn't have inspired so many young people. So curiosity is is really important. And one way you can build that is to let a friend take you somewhere. Uh, so when I go to the museum, most of my friends say, well, show me around. I say, well, how about you take me to a room that you'd like to see? Because that's probably a room I wouldn't have chosen. Um, so being curious is really, really important. And being a good listener like you, Lance, you know, I think... Um, what makes you so great as a host is you're a really good listener. I can see that you're listening when I'm when I'm talking to you rather than figuring out the next question. And that listening does it doesn't mean you should listen to the rants of people who are uneducated. I'm not saying that, but you listen to educated people, listen to their point of view, and consider it. Um, being receptive to new experiences, whether it's cuisine or travel, or you know, I, I remember I I didn't really want to hike. I uh, had never done that as a young person. And then my then boyfriend said, well, we're, we're, let's go hike. And it was fantastic. And if I hadn't been open to it, if I had shut that down, I would have missed a great experience. But And there are lots of other things I could give you just really specifics. Yeah, I love that because that is exactly where it starts from is a curiosity. I am trying to get my, I have four children and the youngest is my daughter. And she is actually the one who is most interested in architecture. Uh, she even interned at the office this summer, but the, but the curiosity is just exactly where it starts. I, I think that, so thank you for that answer. Um, let's, let's touch on your books. I know I read in your bio here that you got over 20, but I thought I was reading somewhere else. It's 25. Tell us about being an author and how many books are there and then what are you working on or what is kind of currently published? Thank you so much. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I, I love to write, obviously. I mean, I mentor faculty nationwide in research and writing and, and, and how they can, they themselves could write books. I, I run a books club out of this, uh, not a books club, a books fellowship. And um, people always say, well, how do you, how do you write so much? And, it, and I always say, well, writing is non-negotiable for me. It's like brushing my teeth or exercising or eating cauliflower. You know, I, I don't argue with myself over it, but I love it. It, it. Well, you know, as an artist that the endorphins start to flow mm -hmm. and you're concentrating. And that happens to me in the writing process. Uh, my new book that's right behind me, if, if you're on YouTube, um, you can see that it's called The New Art of Ideas, Unlock Your Creative Potential. And that's coming out in November. I'm very excited. And that's really for anybody to learn how to generate worthwhile ideas. I have a very actionable and easy, actually, system called the three G's, goal, gap, and gain. And um, that's in the book. And um, 
the cover and the interior illustrations. If you're a fan of Manifest or the Americans, Holly Taylor, the actor, did the illustrations and the cover. She was my student at Kane University. Oh, what a wonderful full circle. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Robin, we're, we're running up on the half hour here, and there's two questions that I like I like to ask every every guest as we as we sort of end the show. And first one is, uh, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started your creative career, what is one piece of advice you'd give your former self? I would trust my own judgment. Every time I've gone against my own gut, you know, and and a and a learned gut, not you know just uh, as a kid saying no, no, no to everything. I it's it's not gone my way, and I look back and I think, well, I had an instinct not to do that, and I listened to an editor or I listened to another faculty member, and didn't work out so well. Yeah, so true, so true, and you know that feeling as a, as your own person. You know, you know that feeling, and it's very hard to describe to anybody else because it's your own feeling about trusting that. Um, I concur 100%. Robin, again, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for lending your time um, for us and our audience today. Um, where can people find and follow you and uh, maybe pick up some of your books? Thank you so much, Lance. And it's been wonder you're a wonderful host, and I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Uh, my books are everywhere on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your favorite book, independent bookseller. Um, they can link up with me on LinkedIn and on Instagram and on Twitter. Facebook, not too many people use anymore, but I, I'm on all those platforms and TikTok. <laughs> Yeah, TikTok. You got to cover the TikTok. Exactly. Well, again, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate being on the show. Thank you.